Try that. So for the record, it was on. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. Um, it was on. I bumped into something backstage. There are all these music stands, and I bumped them. They started to go like that. And so I'm scrambling back there trying to get it together, and clearly I don't have it together because of what's happening right now. Let's start this over. Take two. So two things that are different today. One, it's a family Sunday. So if you're a kindergartner through fifth grader, you're in the room, make some noise. Woo, okay, you're following Mark's cue, that's good. So hopefully you got a note-taking page and you came in, and uh, I'll give some fill-in-the-blanks for that. And the other thing that's different is we have this up here. So we realize that sometimes it's hard to focus in a message, so we thought we would show college football highlights to kind of get some people to dial in at least this direction. That's not what it's for. We actually uh, started Facebook Live uh, streaming the service uh, last week, and so this is a way for people who can't be here to still dial into the message. We don't do worship yet because we want the sound quality for the music to be really good because they do such a great job of leading us in worship. The message is on there. It's something that we can share. It'll be archived later so it can be shared and viewed by others. But this is up here so it can be one shot to the camera. So if you're on Facebook Live, thanks for joining us. But that's why this is here. The screens will still be the same. So we've been in this series called Go Time because God's a God of go. He asks us to go a lot. He tells us to go. He asks us to go. He invites us to go. And I think that's because a lot of times in life we have a tendency to get stuck. We get stuck in our journey in life and we kind of stay who we are. We stay where we are and we don't move forward. So God says, I need to challenge you to go. And he does that a lot. He models that for us and he asks us to do it. And in this series, we've talked about the reason it's important to listen when God tells you to go do something. One, it'll help you know God better when you listen to his go. Secondly, you'll learn to trust him more, to build a deeper faith. And thirdly, you discover God's purposes for your life because God's purposes of your life require a lot of goes. We talked about going together. Together is better than alone. We talked about going and making it right when things aren't working with together. We talked about the idea of going and making a difference and going and making disciples. All these things that God asked us to do. The very first week we talked about one very simple pr principle. And that's to go first. Sometimes all it takes is for someone to go first. Sometimes to do the right thing, we just need someone to go first. And then others will follow. The problem is, sometimes people will do the bad thing and others will follow. Well, be the kind of person that goes first and you do the right thing and go first. So we talked about that the first week, going first. So it's going to sound a little bit backwards, but here's the thing. The way I want you to go first is also to go last. The way you go first is actually by going last. A lot of times we think if you're a leader and you go first, you do what's best for you. But actually, the way leadership works best, and really what Jesus tells us to do, is to go first by, go last by putting others first. That's what great leaders do. As a matter of fact, if you were to think about some of the best leaders you know in life, and think of some of the worst leaders you know in life, chances are the best leaders were servant leaders. They served others. They didn't use their power or authority or position to serve themselves. They made life better for others. That's kind of what leaders do. They go first by putting others first and going last for themselves. Jesus said it this way in Mark 9, verse 35. And by the way, that's two of the blanks. One of them is go first. And then also down here, Mark 9, 35. Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. And those are the blanks there. 
Jesus sat his disciples down. He said, look, 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 look. It's not like this. You don't go first and serve yourself. If you want to be first, be the very last and the servant of all. That's a very important phrase that I want you to think about today as an identity. What would it look like for you to be a servant of all? Because really what Jesus asked us to do is this. It's to go first or to go last and put others first by being a servant of all. That's not what I want to do. I'll be quite honest. That's not a go that I like, yes, when God says go put others first by being last. I'm an only child, didn't have brothers and sisters growing up. Kind of explains a lot about me, but I tend to be a very selfish person. Because, I mean, when I was little, I mean, everything revolved around me. I was an only child. But I don't think that's just an only child thing. There's a tendency for us in any situation to think, well, what does this mean for me? Or to ask, what's in this for me? I remember when I was in college, I had to write a thesis, like this 55-page paper. And it was the last thing I needed to do to require. It was a senior-level class. And I was, it was, then it was called a general studies major. Now I think it's called university studies. We have three minors. And anyway, I had to write this paper. And um, I was a procrastinator in school throughout my career. That's, I can think that I was always known for that. I'd put things off to the last minute. Well, I wasn't doing much on my thesis paper. And I went to go see, I had a, had a committee chairman, and I went to go see this professor to say, hey, uh, I haven't really done anything, and I've done a little bit, but not much. And I went to go see the person, and, and I went to see a secretary, and they said, oh, you haven't heard. He died. I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. What does that mean for me? <laughs> like immediately, like, I'm so sorry, but what does that mean for me? And I realized that about myself in that moment and others. I asked that question a lot. What does this mean for me, and what's in it for me? We have this me focused in life. It's probably not just me. And so Jesus pushes us and says, go put others first. Go last. But I don't want to do that. See, what it comes down to really is sometimes I'll do it. I'll serve others, but that's not what Jesus asks us to do. He says, don't serve others. Be a servant. There's a difference between serving and being a servant. Let me explain it this way. If I say I'm going to go serve others, that's a good thing, right? Right? Is that a good thing, to serve others? Yeah, it's a good thing, but it's not the best thing. Because if I'm serving others, I'm in control of that. I decide who, where, when, and how. So I want to serve that person uh, on Tuesday in this way. It doesn't cost me much. It's pretty easy to do, and I'll feel kind of good about doing it. Like, I'm in complete control of it, but that's not what Jesus asked to do. He knows that he needs to ask us to go further, to not just to do something, but to be something to be a servant. This is an identity. That means whoever, wherever, whenever, and however, I am in the role of being a servant and serving others. What can I do for you? Not what does this mean for me? And if you've ever met somebody like that, you're drawn to them. Because that's how we were created to live. We were designed to be a servant of all. The problem is we don't lean into that because we don't think it'll work out so well for us. Let me ask you this question. I've, I've met somebody like this. Have you ever met somebody like a celebrity? Like, who is somebody, if you could meet them, you would kind of be starstruck? Like, who would that be for you? If all of a sudden you walked out and they were standing out there, who was it that you would love to meet, but you'd kind of be like, oh, I don't know what to say? Who would that be for you? It's okay to talk in church. Who would that? I didn't understand a single one of those. So, so louder. Real... Carson Wentz. LeBron James, Michael Scott is a character, not a person. 
but I'll allow it in the office. Justin Bieber, thank you, Gracia. Tim Allen, anybody else? Tom Holland? Beyonce? Craig Rochelle, yes. Steven Spielberg, great movie maker, great storyteller. Okay, I'll tell you who it was for me. Uh, I'm a hockey fan, and so probably most everybody but a few, maybe just one in the room will know who this is, but the person that I was my hockey hero that I actually got to meet was a guy named Roger Nielsen. And this is Roger. He died in 2003. Uh, amazing man. Uh, was one of the most innovative people in the sport of hockey. And the reason you know he's important is because he has a bobblehead. And if you have a bobblehead, like, you got to be important. And so Roger um, was a guy, he's also, a, a, he, was, he was a Christian. His faith was something he was very committed to, but he was innovative in the sport of hockey. He actually coached major junior for a long time. His first professional coaching job was actually in Dallas in 1976 with the Dallas Blackhawks. That's the first hockey team that became on my consciousness as a young sports fan when I was seven years old and going to, to Fair Park and watching the Dallas Blackhawks play. And he coached there for one year. After that, he coached the Toronto Maple Leafs and coached throughout the NHL and uh, was a Hall of Fame coach, coached 1,000 games as a head coach. Um, he was innovative. He changed the rule book literally three times. He would, they thought it was funny, and maybe it's because he just never married. He, like, all he did was hockey. And, and so he would just he'd walk in and he'd be reading the rule book. They're like, you know the rules. He goes, yeah, but I was thinking about this one right here. And he would find these loopholes. For instance, hockey, in hockey, at the end of the game, if you're trailing, if you're losing, you can pull the goalie and have them go to the bench and have an extra attacker, a forward skater, to try and score. Now, the problem is, it's easy to score on your goal, but if you have the puck, you can have a chance of getting a goal. It doesn't always work out, but there's a chance, right? So, he reads the rule book and goes, huh, tells his goalie, I'm about to pull you. When I do, take your stick and lay it down in front of the crease, in front of the goal. His goalie leaves, he lays the stick down, they shoot the puck down, it hits the stick, bounces out, and the referee goes, I don't think you can do that. And he goes, well, here's the rules. I mean, look, it doesn't say anything. It doesn't say anything about that. The next year it did. They rewrote the rule book. They rewrote it three times. They had to rewrite, rewrite the rule book because he did that. His nickname was Captain Video. He used video before anybody else in sports was really doing that, of breaking it down. He was one of the first to have assistant coaches wear headsets in the press box and on the bench to communicate with each other before anybody else was doing that. He was this innovative, legendary coach. And, and for a hockey fan, I couldn't believe when I finally got to meet him. It was amazing. And what amazed me most about him, what left me speechless more than all his accomplishments and the fact that I got to meet him, like a half dozen times I got to met, meet him. And talk on the phone, uh, almost a dozen times. Like it's, it was one of the highlights for me. The thing that impressed me most, more than anything, was how much I felt like he cared about me. And I've realized everybody's like that. I remember getting a Christmas card from him, handwritten, thinking, oh. then I realized thousands of people are getting this because he treats everybody like they matter. And uh, Craig Ramsey, who was one of his assistant coaches, made this observation about Roger. He said this, Roger, Roger genuinely likes people, genuinely cares about his players, not just their performance, but their lives. You sense quickly, what do people sense from you? From him, you sense quickly, it's not just what you can do, what, uh, you can do for him, but what he can do for you. What do people sense from you? 
I tell you, like this, I, I barely knew him. And Jennifer and I were going on vacation to Maui in Hawaii for the first time ever. And Roger would take a group of friends and, and, and guys he coached and coaches to Hawaii almost every summer. And somehow it got back to Roger that I was doing that. I barely had known the man. And he calls me one day and says, hey, I heard you're going to Maui. When you go to this restaurant, or make sure you go to this restaurant and tell them you know me. It was the gazebo. We went there every time we went to Maui because it was his recommendation. He said, hey, if you want to go snorkeling or do this outing, hey, go to this place and tell them you know me. He says, if you go to the Hyatt there on Kapalua Beach, don't tell them you know me. <laughs> I thought he was really funny. Like, he goes, I wore out my welcome there. One time he was, I'll tell you why. One time he was in the pool and he was horsing around with everybody and he saw one of his you know, teammates and he went over and he was going to dunk him under the water and he did it and the guy came up and it wasn't the guy he knew. It was a stranger. So he said, don't tell him you know me there. This amazing man. I sensed quickly his approach to me was what can I do for you? What do people sense from you? If you're a boss, if you're a coach, if you're a teacher, if you're an employer, if you're an employee, in your class, with your friends, with your neighbors, with your family, do people sense from you, hey, what can I do for you? Or do they sense you're all about what can you do for me? He was different. And I noticed that it. it made an impact on me. And I think he realized, because he was a follower of Jesus, I think Roger figured out this is who we were created to be, to be a servant of all. And he had a lot of joy because of this. Jesus said it this way in Mark chapter 10. Jesus called his disciples together and he says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. That's what a lot of times people do with leadership or power. They figure out how can I use it to my benefit. He says, not so with you. Not so with you. Instead, there's a different way. Whoever wants to become great, if you want to be great, be a servant. Again, it's an identity. It's not just what you do. It's an identity. It's who you are. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. And if anyone deserved to use their power to serve themselves, it would have been Jesus. But he says, follow my example. Here's what he says. This is who he was in verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And the ultimate way he served us is he gave his life as a ransom for many. He paid the penalty to set us free from the captivity of sin to be in a relationship with him. If anyone deserved to just be served, it was Jesus. He said, that's not why I'm here. I'm here to serve. I'm here to be a servant. And that's who you're created to be as well. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Philippians 2. He gets very specific. He goes, do nothing. That means nothing, zero, absolutely nothing, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Now, the, the, the only child radar starts going off on this and going, well, what about me, though? What's going to happen to my needs? Because we all have needs. We all have things in life that we want and even that we need. What about us? Like, what, how, if we're just serving others, what about us? But here's the thing, and this is where community especially comes in. When this is working right, if we all buy in and do this, and we're serving others, we're not just each trying to meet our own needs. We're each trying to meet everybody's needs. We're serving everybody. You have multiple people pouring into your life, investing in your life. But even if they don't, it is better for you to be a servant of all, even if the people around you are a servant of none. 
I'll tell you why in just a minute. But Paul goes on to say this way. Here's the way life works best. In your relationships with one another, he sums it up, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. If you're a disciple, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're not just learning about what Jesus taught. You're trying to be like Jesus, becoming more and more like him. Well, he's a servant of all. So that means you will be too. And then Paul describes what it looked like for Jesus. He says this in verse 6 and following. Who being in very nature God, Jesus, I mean, very nature God, he has everything kind of focused on him, but he says he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or held onto or used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Again, he took on the identity of a servant. This is what he wants for you. Being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Like, you'll be asked to do a lot of things in life to be a servant of all. You will never be asked to do more than Jesus did in serving you at the cross. But because he served you that way at the cross, your identity becomes a child of God. And you become more like Christ, which means you will be, by very nature, a servant of all. And God celebrates that. Here's what happened, how he did that with Jesus, verse 9 and following. Therefore God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You were created to be a servant. Jesus models that and he enables that when he's, when he, when he's present in your life. But we're supposed to have the same attitude this purposeful thinking, this mindset that Jesus had. And again, in Mark 9.35, he summarizes that. If you want to be first, you must be very last and the servant of all. You go last and you put others first. You take on this nature of a servant. And let me tell you why I know this isn't just something you're supposed to do. It's supposed to be who you are. Science these days gives us insight into what happens in our brain like never before in history neurological pathways and things, parts of our brain that light up when we experience different things, they can measure that and see that now that gives us so much insight into what happens in our brains. And your brain was wired together by God very purposely. There's a part of your brain that lights up when it experiences something that makes it happy or something it enjoys or something that tastes good. So let me ask you, what is something you enjoy? What's something that would cause your brain to light up and go, hey, thumbs up, I like that? Football, good time of year. Basketball, baseball, really? Finally, thank you. I, I gave a hockey coach, and hockey makes fourth on the list. That's about right in the ratings, so I think it's appropriate. Okay, anything besides sports that you enjoy? Yes. Descendants 3, the movie. Thank you, Gracia. Hunting. Petting your dog. Grandkids. Cheesecake. Yeah. Music, music. Music really does impact the brain. Food. Anybody think chocolate? Who thinks chocolate? All right. I'm tempted to want to throw this back there for you, but I'm afraid of what that would, like first service was just someone in the front row, but I don't want to, I I saw your hand first with this chocolate bar, so I'm going to put this right here for you to come get that or someone get that or, Jean, would you take that back to her? Here. There you go. Take that to her. So, So here's the thing. If you take that bite of chocolate, if you're watching that football game and your team wins and you're in the shady side of the stadium, 
If you're with your grandkids, if you're petting your dog, if you're watching Descendants 3, if you're listening to music, like if that goes on, something in your brain lights up that says, I like this. Here's what science has learned about your brain. That part of the brain that lights up like you just took a bite of chocolate, lights up every time you do something kind for others. So think about this. It's not just when you're on the receiving end of somebody doing something kind to you that it lights up. When you do something kind for others, your brain lights up and says, I enjoy that, just like you were, if you were on the receiving end of the act of kindness. Researchers call this the helper's high. And you probably experienced this. You've done something kind for others, and all of a sudden you feel good. It releases dopamine into your body like you just took a bite of chocolate because you were made to serve others. You were made to be a servant of all. And when you step into that identity, your brain says, I enjoy this. Because your Heavenly Father created you to be a servant of all. That's who he made us to be. So this week, here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge yourself to ask yourself, do two questions and then tell yourself one thing. Here are the two questions to ask yourself this week. Who will I serve this week? And how specifically will I serve them? And I want to ask you to find a way to do that as soon as possible. Maybe before you leave your row or you leave this room or you leave this building or you leave this property. Because the longer you wait to actually do it, the less likely you are to actually do it. So think of who. Who will you serve? And then how specifically will you serve them? And I want to remind you what we talked about uh, where Jesus said last week, we talked about Jesus' words to go the extra mile. For them, who he was talking to, to the people in Israel, they were occupied by the Romans. They had a foreign power occupying and leading their, their country, and they did not like it. And the Roman army was there to force them to do what they asked. And the Roman army could go to any citizen of a conquered country and make them carry their backpack with their gear for one mile, but no more. Go and only go one mile. So Jesus told them, he says, when someone asks you to go one mile, a soldier that you don't want to serve, you go two miles. You do more than is expected. So when you think of how you're going to serve the person, I want you to think of doing the extra mile level of service, more than is expected. Who will you serve and how will you serve? And the reason I ask you to do that is because if you don't get specific, you probably won't do it. And the quicker you do this, the more likely you are to develop this habit. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't ask you to serve others. That's just part of being a servant. He asked you to change your identity, to let him change your identity, to make you into a servant of all. So that means you're not saying who and how. You're saying, how can I serve whoever's in front of me? So what I want to challenge you to do is get specific. And on the kids' note taking pages there, and it's good to take a step. But more than just taking a step, I want to ask you, invite you to step into your identity as a servant of all. That means whoever you're with, wherever you are, whenever you have the opportunity, and however you can, you're asking the question, what can I do for you? Now, it may not be out loud. Sometimes it makes sense to say, hey, what can I do for you? But if you're asking yourself that silently, with everybody you're around, even if they're a stranger, even if they're a friend, even if they're an enemy, even if they're a family member, your identity is to be a servant of all, and your brain will light up and say, that's good, because that's what you were created to do. That's who you were created to be. So when you show up at your house today, before you walk in the door, stop at the door and say, I'm here to be a servant of all. When you show up at school tomorrow, 
whether you're a student, a teacher, a principal, a counselor, a coach, whatever it is, you show up at school, before you walk in the door, say, I'm here to be a servant of all. When you show up at wherever you work, if you have a job, before you walk in the door, say, I'm here to be a servant of all. If you show up at your neighborhood, before you kind of walk out of your house into the neighborhood where you might see neighbors, say to yourself, I'm here to be a servant of all. Because that's what Jesus said when he showed up. I'm here to be a servant of all and to let you know that this is who I created you to be. This is who I'm going to lead you to be. Life works best when we lean into that identity as a servant of all. Not just for the people that we're serving. But God thought so much of it that he thought it was important to wire our brains to get a little hit, a little thing light up in our life that makes us kind of go, wow, that feels good when we become a servant of all. I guarantee you that's who he's leading you to become because that's who he is. And disciples don't just learn about Jesus, they become more like Jesus. And Jesus is a servant of all, and I know, so are you. So I want to invite you to step into that identity. Let's stand for closing prayer. God, thanks for the ultimate act of service that you gave us at the cross. Thanks that there were people with you for three years, your disciples, who weren't just learning what you taught, but they saw how you lived. It's clear that you want us to value people, to love people, to serve people, whoever, wherever, whenever, and however. I pray that we would think of ourselves as wearing a name tag that says, hello, my name is a servant of all because it's our identity. It's who you created us to be. And thanks that you even have us, our brains wired to give a little hit of a reward internally that feel like that feels good because it's stepping into what you made us to do. But sometimes serving others is hard and being a servant of others is very hard. So God, we need your strength to do that, to help us go be a servant of others, to go first at putting others first and putting ourselves last. God, thanks that you love us and you have good plans for our life. Help us this week to be a servant of all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for being here. If you'd like to talk, I'll be down at the front. I'm going to let you out a few minutes early, so show me some grace next time I go long.